Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast. We are so glad that you're here. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Today, we're going to talk about something that we all might be feeling, which is where are we in the New Year's resolutions that we might have made back in December, back at the end of the year? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. But it, we we think it's really important to maybe kind of take a moment, reevaluate, see where we are, see what's working, see what we like, and then intentionally make changes and move forward. So we are recording this in late February. And by the time you listen to it, it's probably going to be early March. I, I'm a math guy. You guys know this. And so I just wanted to share a couple of statistics that I looked up. So depending on how you look at it, 80% of resolutions are given up by February. So think about that. You know, 30 to 45 days ago, you made a resolution to yourself to make some sort of change, and 45 days go by and it's done. And for whatever does reason. Number, does that number surprise you? It surprises me a little bit. And I think that we'll talk about that, you know, as we go through why people fail to follow through on their resolutions. 25% only stay committed past the first 30 days, right? So those numbers kind of jive up. And here's the, the worst statistic. 8% of people accomplish them. Ooh, that is really shocking, actually. But I'm not surprised because, I mean, we talked about this when we did a end of the 2018 podcast and we were talking about New Year's resolutions or challenges or whatever you wanted to call them that we can all look if we just even take the gym for an example. We all know, oh, great. The first week of January, the gyms are going to be packed and they're going to be crowded. And then you can kind of see week two. OK, they're not as crowded, right? People are starting to kind of settle in to the new year and maybe they're not really having fun with their New Year's resolution of sticking with going to the gym. And then really by the end of January, it almost feels like we're getting back into, if you will, the normal routine of who's normally there. So none of your numbers really surprise me except for the 8%. That really is the only one that kind of surprises me. Well, if you think about it, by mid-February, 80% of the people have given up, right? So that really only leaves 20% of the people that are going to try to continue for the rest of the duration of their resolution, whatever that happens to be. And so one of the things I did is I, I took a look at, I found a statistics website. I could have gotten lost in there for hours. And I looked and found a report on what the top 2019 resolutions were. Ooh, I like this. Yes. And I think it's really evident if you take a look at it. And again, I'm a numbers guy and I and I looked at this and I could tell immediately why these resolutions fail. So I'm going to give you the top five resolutions. Exercise more was 59%. Shocker. Eat healthier, 54%. Save money, 51%. Lose weight, 48%. 
reduce stress, 38%. None of those surprise me at all. And we have probably a lot of friends and family members who made those resolutions their resolutions. But I know why you're going to say they weren't successful with keeping them. And it's because they didn't have a plan. They didn't know how they were going to keep them. Yes. And tied into that, they weren't specific. Right. Right. So exercise more. If you didn't go to the gym at all in 2018 and you started out 2019, you went to the gym once. Is that really the intent behind your resolution? Yeah. Like you've got to kind of drive or go to the gym in order to work out in the gym. So, (laughs) so a a better choice would be extra go to the gym three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, eat healthier again, that, that one's a little bit more difficult, but maybe you do something like I'm going to give up potato chips or I'm going to eat vegetarian three times a week or whatever. Define what it means. Right. So when we did the podcast before you had a word instead of resolution, I can't remember the word that you called it, but it was like a new year's. Was it either a a promise or a commitment? I think it was a new year's promise. I think that's what you were calling it. Like what is your new year's promise? And the reason why, and this is something I picked up from Alex Sheen at, because I said I would, is that if you're making a promise, you're actually looking inward at yourself and you're saying, I'm going to commit to this. And it's a lot more difficult to give up. But along with that, he talks about how you make good promises how you make accountable promises and you know the number six resolution for 2019 i think that is one that actually has a chance of people being able to complete it because it's stick to a budget that is something that is measurable it's actually a something that has tangible numbers right so you know if your budget is here whatever that number is if you're below that then you stick to it if you're above it you've broken it um, you can you can make a lot of the other resolutions measurable, though. Yes. For example, if you want to exercise, okay, instead of just saying that, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week or whatever. I mean, you can come up with ways to make each one of those measurable. Yes, which absolutely. Very important. So I'm actually curious about you, Garth. Can you tell us what your New Year's promises were, or maybe just a couple, and where you are coming into around the end of the first quarter. Sure. So I don't really do New Year's promises per se. And part of that is that I, first of all, if I see that there's a change, an opportunity in my life to change, I'm not necessarily going to, I'm not going to wait until New Year's. I'm going to go ahead and start right away. If over New Year's time period, I'm reflecting on something, I prefer to choose things that are more easily attainable and in a shorter amount of time. So one of my promises to myself was to write a screenplay a week for the first 13 weeks of the year. I will admit the first like 10 days or two weeks of the year, I contemplated, I researched, I didn't really write anything. So I was immediately behind. But what was great about that is that I taking that time to prep a little bit, I was able to kind of jumpstart where I was and I've been writing pretty diligently. I don't know if it's any good or not, but that wasn't the intent, right? The intent was get back to writing on a daily basis and try to figure out how to best write a number of video episodes that were going to last, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. So So taking a step further, were you being specific as in 
every single day, right from this time, like, you know, right for these two hours? Or was it kind of like every week, I want to be writing X number of hours? Like, how did you manage your intentional time structure? Because I, you know, I work full time, I still have this whole cancer thing going on. I'm a husband, I'm a dad. I don't necessarily have a consistent time period each day where I can sit down and say, okay, this is my two hours to write. But it was more of a, a, a weekly expectation. Okay, every week I'm going to be writing X number of words, which should equate out to about 45 minutes worth of content. If it was an evening and I couldn't sleep or I woke up early, like today for some godforsaken reason, I woke up at 4.30. <laughs> um, if I have that time, I purposely use that time and it works a little bit better for me. Back when I was writing my book, I did actually write. It was the first thing in the morning. I think you gave us something that's really important and I'm doing it as well, which is you have to kind of be flexible, a little bit flexible with your New Year's promises. So I don't know. For me, it's hard to say, OK, I'm going to do this every single day for most things. But if I look at the big picture of a week and I say, OK, I'm going to look at my schedule. These are the things that I really want to do in this week. I'm a lot more likely to figure out a way to make them happen versus, you know, some days are more are busier than others. Some days there are more demands on whatever it is I have going on. And so I don't want to make myself feel unsuccessful and not feel like I'm moving forward with whatever my New Year's resolutions promises were. So keeping maybe the big picture or looking at the week, if you will, that really helps me. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. If we go back to the number one resolution, and by the way, I took a peek back for the past four or five years. The number one resolution is always centered around exercise somehow, whether it's more exercise or go to the gym. That is always the number one resolution. But you probably wouldn't go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then take the next four days off. That would be hard on your body. And getting out to the gym that next Monday, all you're going to think about is how much pain you caused yourself going to the gym those three days in a row. So I absolutely think that you need to spread out your plan, whatever that is, over a time period that makes sense for you. And you and I have talked about this a lot. I sit down Friday afternoon and I kind of plan my next week. And that way I can have flexibility. I know, you know, as an example, yesterday, I had a really incredibly busy work day. I was on the phone for six hours of the work day. So that only gave me a few hours to actually do work. And yesterday was not going to be a writing day for me. It just wasn't going to happen. So don't set myself up for failure by saying that I was going to do that. Yeah, I think it's really important to be flexible. So I've said one of my New Year's resolutions was, okay, I'm going to exercise five days a week. And so that kind of gives me a little bit of playing room, if you will, to know that I'm not doing it every single day. And also, like, if it's a day that I've planned to go to the gym and then, like, for example, today, the weather's terrible. The last thing that I really want to do is go to the gym. So I've already exercised. I've exercised in my house today and I have, you know, some weights and I've set it up so that I can do that if I want to, but it doesn't always have to look exactly like maybe you've planned on making it look, but that doesn't mean you are not successful. So even though today I had planned on going to the gym, just because I didn't, I could still exercise. Maybe it looks a little bit differently than I had imagined it would, but that flexibility I think is really important. And along with that, I think being flexible ties into allowing yourself to course correct. 
I love that you said that a hundred percent because people, yeah, you've got to give yourself the freedom and the permission to say, you know what? Hey, this isn't working for me, or I don't even want this anymore. Or, you know what? I think I might want to do this instead. But if you're so rigid and you're so like, I've got to do this because I said I was going to do this, you're actually hurting yourself. I'll give you an example. I did not make a resolution to go to the gym more. I did make promise to do a certain type of exercise. And it turned out that I don't really like it. It's not very fun for me. I don't look forward to it. And so as we kind of got out of January and I was starting into February, I decided I was going to go back to something that I, a program that I really enjoyed that I did a few years ago, which is a hundred push-up program. And it's basically you start out and you do a certain amount of push-ups every other day. And your goal is to get to being able to do a hundred pushups in a row. I think that's great that you did that, that you gave yourself permission to kind of get rid of whatever it was and find something that you liked. Right. And it's, it's a very similar thing, right? It's, It's still exercise. It's still working towards a goal. I actually enjoyed the other one a lot more. Uh, the push-up one a lot more. So I don't even know why I didn't choose to do that one again. I just thought maybe I needed a change. And it turns out that that one actually works. It works so well that I had really difficult time putting my coat on yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but that's good. And, you know, you bring up something, which is listen to your body and listen to what you want and listen to what you like. So a lot of times, like intellectually, we'll come up with things that we that we think we want or that we think we should do. But listen to yourself. If you are hating it or dreading it or it's not doing what you want it to do for you, then by all means, give yourself permission to find something new. And that's not necessarily quitting. It's taking a sidestep. As long as you're still quitting at all. Right. If you're still continuing in the same path, the same general direction. You know, one other tip that I, I really like is allow yourself and I, I don't like this terminology, so let's come up with something better, but allow yourself a cheat day, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll give you an example from, you know, frankly, something I started in childhood. So most of you know who are listening, I'm, I grew up Catholic and we always gave up something for Lent. That was something that was very ingrained to our faith. Although I do that less as an adult. Because as an adult, I think, oh, I should do something positive, not necessarily just give something up. But I gave up peanut butter as a kid, and I loved peanut butter. That was a really big sacrifice for me. And as a grown-up, especially after Emma was born, I used to give up salty snacks. And you know what happened over those 40 days of Lent when I gave up salty snacks? I lost like 15 pounds. Because you weren't eating your Cheetos. (laughs) Right, I wasn't eating chips and Cheetos. Also, I probably wasn't drinking soda to go along with those salty snacks, right? However, and this is something a lot of people aren't really in tune to, Sundays in Lent are not actually part of the Lenten season. I didn't know that. So anyone who says I'm going to give up whatever on Sundays, they're allowed to actually have? Yes. Yes. And and so obviously- I don't feel like that's talked about a lot. (laughs) It's not talked about at all. But if you take a look at the calendar- from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, Lent is 40 days. But if you t- again, if you take a look at that calendar, it's only 40 days if you subtract the Sundays. Interesting. So did you just eat like a whole entire like container? <laughs> like, like a whole week's worth of chips? Did you? <laughs> I, I didn't. And, and one of the reasons was because I had given up chips, we didn't have them in the house. 
Yeah. So it's easier to stick with it. Right. But I didn't feel guilty if we maybe happened to go out for lunch or dinner and I ordered French fries or chips with whatever I, I was eating because it was one out of six days or one out of seven days. I hate the word, like, I hate that whole guilty thing with resolutions. You know, like, you have good intentions. You really want to help yourself do whatever it is that you've decided would be in your best interest, right? So you come up with whatever your resolution or life change is going to be. And then for whatever reason, life gets in the way, or maybe you want to modify it, or you don't do it for the first week or the second week the way you had had good intentions of following through with. And then you feel guilty about it. And I feel like guilt is just not helpful. So when you are sitting there and you're giving yourself a hard time and you're making yourself feel badly because whatever it is you said you were going to do, you weren't able to follow through with, you know, give yourself a break and lose all the guilt energy and instead like kind of take that energy and try to figure out a way to kind of move forward. Right. Re it redirect work. it. Yeah. Um, redirect it. So, and one of the things that I did when I was thinking about today's podcast and the mission behind it is if I were in a tough place, if I made a resolution and here we are 40 days later or 60 days later and I wasn't doing it anymore, how could I get back on track? How could I redirect myself? You know, I think one of the things that we forget as you go through February and into March is the reason behind your resolution it's still there. Whatever caused you to want to make a change, whether it was exercising more, eating healthier, losing weight, you know, reducing stress, that reason is still there, right? If you said, I'm going to resolve to reduce stress, my guess is you did that because you have stress in your life and you really need to address that. If that reason is still there, you have to remember why you started in the first place and make your plan. What does that plan look like? I don't know, right? It Reducing stress. Maybe you resolve to meditate three times a week. Maybe you decide that you need to walk in nature a couple of times. Put it on your calendar. Make reminders to yourself. Put little post-it notes around your house to try to support yourself. Get a best friend or your spouse involved and, and have them support you. But do what you can to make a plan that says, okay, this is how I'm going to reduce my stress. And don't forget, and don't just say, okay, well, we're where we are in the year and I haven't done it. So whatever, I'm just going to give up because the truth is every day is a new beginning and you can decide right now to get back on track and start fresh. And that's really such a beautiful gift you can give yourself is the ability to kind of lose the guilt, let go of what didn't work out the way you had intended it to work out and then move forward. I love that. Well, and, and guilt doesn't serve you any purpose. No, it's such a wasted emotion. It truly is. If you have a guilt in your life because you've done something really wrong, that's appropriate. But if you feel guilty because you wanted to eat healthier and you just ate a box of Twinkies in the past week, you know, figure out how to redirect and replan. But I think uh, a lot of people really get stuck in that because they had this picture in their mind of the way they had intended to kind of navigate through their resolutions. And then they feel really guilty because they didn't do what they had intended to do for whatever reason. And so they do really stay in that space of feeling guilty. I just ate a box of Girl Scout cookies, right? Because Girl Scout cookies are everywhere right now. And we Yeah, but there's only two cookies in the box. So let's face that. I love the Girl Scouts. <laughs> But, you know, the point is, is that 
John Kurtz, if you're listening to this, you know, buying over 20 boxes of Girl Scout cookies probably isn't going to help you lose weight, right? <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll tell you, on a side note, I was the cash cow for Girl Scouts in our neighborhood for the longest time. How many boxes did you buy this year? None. Okay. But I didn't buy any this year either because, in, you know. Because of John. <laughs> be, because there was there was that little incident. <laughs> well, in days past, I, you know, there were there was a time where I ordered like 20 boxes. Um, and okay, the, what's your favorite? What's your favorite kind? Ready, go. Don't think too hard. Samoan. What is that? It's the one with coconuts. Coconut oh, I like that. And chocolate. Caramel one. That was yeah. my favorite when I was little. But, you know, I'm going to stick with the Thin Mint. Yeah, you know, I we're way off track here, but I'm not a big fan Shocking. of like eating, yeah, eating minty things unless it's real fresh mint. Yeah, I love everything minty. Okay, back okay. on track. So, so. Here, here, yeah, so here's the other thing that I think that um, people I don't know if they obsess over or they don't really think about in terms of making a change is that most things that you want to accomplish are going to take time and effort. If you want to reduce stress, that is probably not something that's going to happen overnight. If you want to eat healthier, you have to do that one meal at a time. And you have to recognize that the time and effort is worth it and quitting will not speed it up. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be fun and enjoyable because a lot of times when we do something new, there is a little bit of resistance. And if you're having to go to the gym, if you will, or changing your eating plans or trying to reduce stress, I mean, you definitely are probably going to be met with certain obstacles, if you will, that could cause you to have to make decisions or maybe choices that other people don't necessarily agree with you. So it's not going to be fun all the time. Right. These types of promises or resolutions or commitments, whatever you're calling it, they require both a strategic and tactical vision. Your strategy is this, right? Here's the goal. Again, whatever that goal is, eat healthier. But your tactics are going to be, what do I do every day? How do I eat healthier every day? And you have to kind of be able to navigate back and forth between those two areas. And it reminds me of something, I know that I've said this before sometime, it reminds me of something that one of my old business colleagues asked me when I was looking at a really big project and had no idea where to start. And he looked right at me and I couldn't tell if this was like a kindergartner joke or something that he was setting me up for. But he said, hey, Garth, how do you eat an elephant? And I, I had no idea where he was going. And he just kind of smirked and he said, one bite at a time. Yeah. What are your thoughts on incentive plans to help you along the way? Um, I, I'm a hard ass. So I... <laughs> So like fun little incentive plans that you established for yourself to serve as motivation, if you will. Do you ever yeah, do that? I really don't do that. Going back to Lent, my incentive for giving up peanut butter when I was a kid was that in my Easter basket, there was an entire jar of Jif peanut butter just for me. And that was pretty cool as a kid. But as a grown up, I'm kind of a hard ass that, hey, you know what? Your reward is whatever you're looking to get out of that change. And I don't want to say that if you're the type of person who needs to set up incentives or little rewards for yourself that you shouldn't do that. But just for me, doing this 100 push-up program, what would be the incentive for me? What could be the reward for me? You know, well, not doing it for a few days, that's counterintuitive. 
Well, I mean, I could easily come up with some rewards for you if you if you would like me to help <laughs> you because I actually do like little personal rewards that are not major, but that kind of, you know, it's like being your own cheerleader, right? So, okay, yay, this week I did all these different things and it feels so great and I feel so great because I'm doing it and just kind of gets the momentum going. And then because I said I was going to do that, then you know, maybe I'm going to go get a special tea at this coffee shop that I like, or maybe I'm going to go, I don't know, if I go to the gym every day for a month, then maybe there's this cool exercise shirt that I've been kind of wanting that I can reward myself with, or just little things like that. Or maybe if I meditate and I'm sticking on the commitment that I made for myself, maybe I will get a great little candle to put in my space to kind of make it more, you know, having the vibe that I want. I don't know. But the whole point is, is that I like a little personal incentive plan. It keeps it sort of, for me, it keeps it fun. And it kind of keeps the positive momentum going, right? Like, yay, I did what I said I'm going to do. And now every time I look at this, this candle, I remember that why I got candle. And then it just kind of helps me go down the path even more. I, and I totally get that. I do actually reward myself for one thing that I can That's think fair. of when I go to visit my counselor, which oh, yeah. by the way, your Chick-fil-A, I go to Chick-fil-A either before or, or after. Well, that is exactly an incentive. That's an incentive plan, Garth. Right. So I don't go to Chick-fil-A really, except for that time. Part of the reason why I do that is that in order to get there, right, it's 30 minutes each way. So going to the counselor is a couple hours of, of time ah. commitment for me. And in order to get there the quickest way, I actually have to drive through the parking lot of a shopping center, which has a Chick-fil-A in it. And I thought to myself, you know what? Going to the counselor is challenging because you're challenging yourself and the things that are going on in your world. And as much as you feel good uh, when you are finished, generally you know, walking into that office for me, even today is still kind of a, a challenge. That little, you know, $3 chicken sandwich is, is a nice treat. So, so I guess we, I'm, are we eating the chicken sandwich before or after we meet with the counselor? It depends on when I'm going. Okay. It's, Depending like upon if it's lunchtime versus right, like right. 10 in the morning, maybe I'm not feeling it, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 And there are times where it's just like, oh, you know what? It's actually just not a convenient time for me to do that. So I won't. But if my, you know, if my counseling session time mm -hmm. is conducive to having something from Chick-fil-A, I absolutely do that. Well, um, I think you need to schedule your counseling sessions. <laughs> you can make oh dara that's that's so funny for you. As, if, as if my counselor is just sitting around her office waiting for me to schedule time with her yeah, yeah of course she is um so you know here's another thing and this one's a little bit harder to kind of realize actually i almost didn't want to bring this up because it's kind of harsh imagine if your promise, your resolution, your commitment, whatever that is, imagine if you treated it as if you couldn't quit. Imagine if, and I'm going to use an easier example for people to realize, and then I'm going to use a little bit harder, closer to home example. An easier example is, you know, somebody who is born with type 1 diabetes. They have to take their insulin. They have to be able to do that. They have to manage their blood sugar because if they don't, it's really going to mess up their bodies and they're going to feel pretty bad and get sick. 
it's kind of a hassle. They always have to make sure that they're watching what they're eating and testing their blood sugar and they always have to have insulin handy. You know, they're walking around with candy bars in their backpacks just in case something goes wrong. That's a challenge. And here's the harder, closer to home Garth example. I, I took daily chemo for four and a half years. I didn't really promise that I would do it. I didn't resolve that I was going to do it, but I did have a commitment that I was going to do it. And the commitment was based around the fact that it was my best shot at staying alive and being there for my wife and daughter. And so admittedly, over the, the course of that time, I had plenty of tough evenings around seven or eight o'clock when I was looking at the pills in my hand and I thought, I really don't want to do this again, but I did. And if you treat your commitment like you can't quit it, you're much more likely to follow through on that. You know, and if you want to be really fun about it, it's like the movie Speed, right? You can't let the bus go below 55 miles an hour. If you are going into your promise with that mindset, like, hey, I promised myself that I'm going to do 30 push-ups three times a week and I can't not do it, you are much more likely to accomplish what you're looking to, to accomplish. I think that is all, that is such a good point. But I want to kind of back up a little bit because if someone has diabetes, they pretty much don't have a choice. They have to, well, they do have a choice, but if they don't do what they're supposed to do, it's going to really impact their health and they're probably going to have a lot of implications that are not positive. With your daily chemo, that was a huge commitment that you made, even if you didn't recognize that you were making it, if you will. But it was basically, I want to be alive. I want to be in Emma's life. I want to be a husband. I've got to take this pill. And so you knew if you didn't follow through and you just said, you know what? Okay, I'm not going to do it you knew what could happen. And the challenge I think for so many people is that, okay, if I go to the gym, if I want to reduce the stress, if I want to eat healthier and then I don't do it, there's nothing holding them that's going to be the level of what we're talking about here in terms of like life or death. Well, but, and but that's why I said treat it as no, if. I know, I know. And that's the thing is, I wish that, and you make such a good point that so many people, you know, you can make your resolutions. You can kind of say, okay, I'm important. I'm going to make this resolution and I'm going to stick with it. You can make yourself that priority. It doesn't have to be necessarily a life or death situation. Most resolutions really aren't. I feel like most people, if they say what their resolution is, they know they're not going to keep it before really January 15th even gets here. Because when they say it, they're just not even committed. So like you were committed to, I'm taking this daily chemo because basically if I don't take it, there's not gonna be a Garth. And you know, I think a lot of people are kind of like, yeah, I'll go to the gym, yeah, I'll eat healthier. They're not gonna stick with it because they're not committed. I completely hear where you're coming from and agree. And I go back to what were the top resolutions given for 2019 and out of the top six one third related to money two thirds were related to let's say body or health here's what i would say to that our bodies aren't throwaway right they're not disposable and you, and, don't, and you don't get another one right we, we don't really get a do-over 
at least right now with our current technology. And whatever do-over you're looking for is something that you have to do for yourself. And whether that's exercising more, eating healthier, whatever, that's something that you really have to be motivated and disciplined to do. And I would actually say that I would, I would challenge you that discipline is the key. Yeah, right. It, so right. Make yourself a priority. I like to kind of differentiate discipline, motivation, inspiration. So motivation and inspiration are very external, internal components, right? I'm inspired to do something. I'm motivated to do something. Maybe I saw somebody else do something and I want to learn how to do it. But the key to success for any of this is the discipline. It's the doing it on a consistent basis so that it becomes habit so that it becomes something that you would never think to not do. And you know what that brings us to? The napkin note. That's right. See, I didn't even, I, Dora knows exactly where I'm going with this. So you know, I've been writing. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I've been writing napkin notes to my daughter, Emma, ever since she was in kindergarten. And the reason why it became so ingrained as a family was that around second grade or so, I realized that it was something incredibly important to her. And so therefore, I was going to make it a daily practice. One of the things I like about calling it a daily practice was that I did mess up from time to time. Occasionally, a note didn't make it. All right. So let's just go there for a second. So when you didn't do the note because life got in the way, did you make yourself feel guilty about it? Or did you have a lot of, you know, <laughs> I suck. Why didn't I do this? Blah, blah, blah. Or were you kind of like, okay, I forgot, but I'm going to start new and I'm going to write a note for tomorrow. Well, so, you know, here's the challenge when you forget and it's your fourth grader who's looking at a lunch bag with no note in it, um, which also probably means that there was no napkin, right? So she has yeah. no way to clean herself up afterwards. It was a little painful, right? Right. And so I did beat myself up and I called myself a bad dad, but it was really momentary. Like the moment, you know, a lot of times I would recognize, oh, I forgot a note or here's the note on the kitchen counter. I forgot to put it in the bag. I mean, how does that happen? Yeah, but you're just human. So <clears throat> I, I know. Perfect. I didn't have to be perfect, but... The moment that I recognized that there was a problem, I corrected it, right? So I drove the note to school. Oh my or, God. Did you really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's cool. But you are working from home as well, right? So right. like- so, so I had some flexibility, but yeah. every once, you know, I remember the one time when- That's pretty amazing. Well, again, it was a commitment as a family. And so cool. we thought that this was something that was important. Emma also recognized that I am overly human Hmm. Right. And she wouldn't necessarily beat me up when I forgot. But on that note, haha, um, <laughs> because it was it was something that was so ingrained in our family that the number of times that it didn't happen were very, very small. Yeah, that's super cool that your family committed to it and it was important for your whole family. And so, like, I think everyone was kind of in it to win it together. Right, right. So I was amazed. I actually did a quick search this morning for the number of times I have written a note that had the word quit or the words give up on it. And let me tell you, dozens, dozens of notes over the course of Emma's school career had the words quit or give up in it. 
It took me a, a couple of minutes to find one that I felt was appropriate for today. There were a couple of ones that are a little snarky and some that are very motivated towards sports because of Emma's softball career. But this is an actual quote, and I think it's really appropriate for today. Dear Emma, never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. The time will pass anyway. That is one of my all-time favorite quotes. I love that so much. And it's so true. So like we're all going to get to the end of this year and we're either going to have walked through and made our resolutions happen or not, but the time's going to pass anyway. So what are you going to do with your time? You know, I remember back when I started college, one of the things that was meaningful to me, and it was something that I carry through to this day, is that I have 168 hours this week, the same as everybody else. It's what I choose to do with my 168 hours that makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And that's why you like to spend time on Friday afternoon, kind of planning for the following week. I actually like to do that on Sunday evening, but figure out a way to build in whatever it is you want to do with your time, build it into your schedule. And you do that by taking the time to sit down and actually write it out, put it in, find a way. And that's how you sort of move forward so that you can get to the end of the year and look back and say, yeah, I did that. And again, don't beat yourself up if you have a misstep, but figure out how to redirect yourself back towards whatever your goal is. We would love to hear from you if you have given up on a New Year's resolution or if you have redirected yourself or, you know, if you have suggestions for us, um, please send us a message. You can connect with us on social media or whatever your platform of choice is, or you can even comment on, on the podcast episode itself. Thanks so much for being here. See you next time. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life, at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.